1: To the team stripes podcast joining me as always is my co-host nat swanson nat what's going on buddy
0: hey man great to be here great to see your smiling face hear your luscious voice again
1: well you know i got a i got the face for radio so here we are (laughs) yeah exactly
0: (laughs) cool uh so dude what's uh what's new down in florida you've been um uh busy you got yeah you um, lots of college club
1: hockey, a couple of junior games, um, fulfilling my role as one of the directors of player safety for, uh, college hockey South. Um, we had our first supplemental discipline this past weekend. Oh, wow. that's um, exciting! so there was a play that was made in a division, a uh, division three game, um, a player decided to take advantage of a not as good player on the other team and deliver uh, a check that f- uh, It maybe at a higher level game might have been cleaner. But at the stage of the game, it was an eight to four hockey game. The player's four feet from the boards. He's got a size, strength, weight advantage on this player and just smokes him into the boards like, yeah. four, like four or five feet out. The player hit their head on the boards and on the ice. Um, it was a it was in a weird it was at that spot like between the top of the circle and the blue line. So like that real like and on bench side and to, uh, the game was a two referee one linesman system since it's it was D three game. So sure. both referees didn't have the greatest look at it. Um, they ended up giving a minor for boarding. Probably should have been a major game or DQ on the ice. Um, And we have a rule in the league where if you get a major in a game with under five minutes left, you automatically, it's basically automatically a DQ. Okay. Um, So we supplemented it for, and we ruled it, or we put it under the excessive roughness rule in the NCAA rule book, basically saying if you do something that's not permitted by the rules and you cause an injury, it's a DQ. So that's, okay. that's what we used. So we did that. So that was our first supplemental discipline. Um, and uh, no no complaints out of, out of the coaches, whatever. Um, nice. And then – um, Yeah, yeah. We, we sent it out. No response, nothing. I, I think they knew. Cool. Yeah. Um, teaching moment for the referees, obviously. Um, and then uh, what was nice was two weeks ago I sent out a video with an emphasis on scrums. And then yep. this week, everyone did their job. First scrum of the game, we worn the benches, and that was it. Nice. So every, you know, everyone's getting the message, which I'm loving. Um, we're trying to uh, make that league, and set, we're trying to set the example for the rest of, you know, college club hockey, and cool, and do things there. So that's been fun. A couple of junior games. You know, how's your season going?
0: Oh man, starting off really well. Uh, the ACHA stuff's been pretty good up here. We haven't had any anything crazy happening in fact i've had two games go uh go into overtime one into a shootout so uh which is impressive uh nice western michigan's d1 team is actually uh playing pretty well this year awesome um we've got michigan's big on this they're they're really pushing the split uh season stuff with high school okay which hasn't been a thing in the past um so we're having a lot of issues with high school players that haven't played usa hockey rules in a while right so they're playing federation stuff that's so there's some growing pains with their uh we've been talking with even to the point where teams are reaching out and asking like hey can we get you guys to explain some of the differences here because we just don't understand
1: yep Makes so sense.
0: we're doing that but other than that man i mean it's it's we had 85 degree weather here this last week in kalamazoo so what? we were like i was out <laughs> playing golf you know not even thinking about hockey yep <laughs> but, but, you know so enjoy uh, it while you
1: can that ain't lasting much longer
0: Oh no! I mean, it's it's that that front came through. It's been raining all day here today, so uh, things are going to start cooling off pretty quickly. Heck yeah! But as it should, right? Because we're in October; it's hockey season. Yes, it is. Uh, is started. We so. are
1: we are now getting in the thick of it. The NHL opens next week, Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I believe the Lightning have a five thirty game on a Tuesday to open the season. Oh, wow. So I, I know a few of my friends that are going are like, yeah, I got to leave right for, I got to leave early from work, and go right to the arena and go to the cave. I'm like, oh <laughs> yeah, that, cause that's just terrible. Right. You know, yeah. just so awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hockey is back. Um, you know, lots going on there and um, good segue to our guest who a couple weeks yeah. ago, she was up in Blaine with uh, the craziness, the greatest show on ice up there in Blaine, the North American Hockey League uh, Showcase. So so our guest today on the podcast is USA Hockey um, official. She's an amazing person. She's the manager of officiating for the North American Hockey League. She's worked the Olympics. She's worked uh, pretty much everything under the sun that USA Hockey can do. Uh, so joining us today is uh, Kendall Hanley. Kendall, how are you today?
2: You know what? I'm doing really well. I uh, I would love to go to that 530 game on Amsoil. Uh, that's one of my all-time favorite arenas to skate in. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll have to fly down and hang out with you. And, oh,
1: that's right. You yeah. kick off What, 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 what oh, game do you do at Amway? Uh, or, uh, Amway, Amelie.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, Emily. I know. Uh, yeah, I was like, Amway, that's over here. Oh, no, no wait. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Uh, no, a couple years yeah. ago, I came down for the rookie tournament there. So we were out at West okay, Chapel that's right. and then we popped over yep. for the the big game, which it was a blast. So uh, got to kind of see the behind the scenes uh, of that arena and it is absolutely gorgeous. So, um,
1: yeah. yeah. Yes,
2: it is. Uh, John Cooper got stuck in his own practice facility and couldn't find the back door. <laughs> so uh, I was kind enough to help him out. Uh, I told him, told him, uh, told him Mano said hi. Uh, he was in, it was really incredibly nice to meet him. Um, you know, it was just great. Uh-huh. Obviously those events are crazy and you're over at, at, at Wesley yeah. chapel. So there's a lot of doors there yep. too. Even I get lost. So yeah. But, uh, yeah. That, uh, yeah. that
1: place is something else. That's for sure with the four rinks and, and the arena rink set up. And then obviously, uh, we are spoiled, just here in tampa oh it's a beautiful uh, facility um
2: you know know, it used to not be there and then they've had a couple events there they did the women's national team was there uh for four nations i think right when it just opened so they hadn't even finished up that back building i mean what a gorgeous facility and and just the programming and the and the the growth in florida is um is uh it's phenomenal to see
1: yeah it's it's definitely been crazy since i started as a kid when hockey was kind of a joke and now it's like the thing in tampa
2: perfect that's really cool well i used to fly down to coral springs so technically we're nemesis as arch enemies i played for a girls team out of uh coral springs coyotes uh way back i'm I'm so old oh my goodness Uh, (laughs) yeah i'm dating myself uh tampa wasn't around and uh or maybe they were but yeah you know i flew down for a season from raleigh and played on a um you know kind of tagged in and played on a girls team uh uh for a season before i went up north to play at prep school and um you know a lot of really good people in florida Uh, the hockey community is great there whether you're uh, down south but definitely in tampa i will say so
1: second to none well obviously you're always welcome to come hang out that's for sure so you know you talk about playing um When did you kind of, obviously, playing growing up, when did you make that transition from playing to officiating? Why did you start officiating? What age? When? You know, all that. Yeah.
2: Well, I went from the mean streets of North Carolina, uh, my street hockey passions, uh, tennis balls, broken wood sticks, splinters. uh, uh, All the good stuff there. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, uh, pursued the passion of playing uh, through college, and I got done with college. I was coming out of my senior year, so. I uh, went to Elmira for two years and then SUNY Oswego for two years, and um, my degree was in zoology. My dad at the time was living in Dallas, so I was home for spring break, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do um, you know, after college, and I was really bummed. So naturally, what do you do when you're really bummed and all you know is hockey and, and you go to the being rink. an athlete? You go to the rink. So yeah, Yeah. I went to the rink at Richardson, Texas and spring break in Dallas. And I happened to see uh, somebody skating around on the ice at this pickup, uh, another female. And she's a good skater. And she had some, you know, college hockey attire on. And so I, I asked a little bit more and she played hockey. But then she came back to Dallas and, you know, the college thing wasn't really for her, but she had fallen into officiating. And so I was like, what? So she started telling me about that and kind of her journey. And she had kind of started in the national system at that point. She had done states, districts, worked her way up through the USA hockey ladder, um, was in the national system, and then had just recently gotten her IHF license. And so this whole world that I had no idea existed. Uh, My brother was a referee a little bit in college. He's a little older than me, so he was living in Austin, Texas in college. And he would ref uh, just to make a little money. So, you know, I talked to him about it before, but – you know, up until that point, you know, I never really thought about it as a potential career path. You know, you always think, okay, well, I could coach, or I could be a director. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's these other roles, but you never really dawned on me that, hey, I could go on the ice and do this cool job and still skate. Um, and I'm a very, very competitive person, so I tried it out. You know, got my level one. Drove from a as we go down to Philadelphia to get my level one seminar back in the day of spring seminars still and. Mm-hmm. You know, stayed at a buddy's house and got my level one and my green helmet, drove back to Oswego, went back to Dallas, jumped into their mentor program in the summer. Uh, back then you had to try out to to be a new official there and uh, got into their mentor program over the summer and and worked a ton of adult league hockey, screwed up a ton of adult league hockey, um, you know, messed up a bunch of house hockey, and then they started kind of putting me in the system there. So I worked more travel, youth, and worked my way up. So you know, and to me, uh, being an athlete, being somebody that's driven, loves goal setting, loves challenges, um, you know, it was something I'd never thought about. And I'm so happy I met, um, you know, Laura Johnson was the official that was at Richardson. Um, and there's some other key people in Dallas that, you know, Susan Halpern and, you know, my brother and a couple of the really amazing people that I met um, over time down there, Ken Reinhardt, that, um, oh, I love
1: Ken. I was oh, on the yeah. phone with him yesterday. Oh, <laughs> he's
2: great. perfect. I feel like I call Ken yeah. every other day, so uh, <laughs> we should just call him together. Um, yeah. You know, to me, to me, it's it's if I hadn't had those experiences and had somebody open that that lens, I don't know if I would would have tried it. So I think yeah. it's so important to bring awareness to this role, and and I would say for women, I tend in my role now with development, I tend to find that generally women are older when they they start kind of thinking about this craft uh, okay. i find that there's more you know on the playing side that the youth and girls level i find that the youth side the boys are generally trying this out a little sooner than the girls The girls are a little more focused on you know playing um mm-hmm. i don't know i mean you still everything can always be rebuttal but i just feel like there's a lot of people that i talk to now that have gone on and played like college hockey they're like yeah i never thought about officiating and that tends to be more of like, I'll see, see the guys and they'll be like, oh yeah, I did a little bit. I tried it, but I was focused more on playing and it wasn't for me at the time. Um, yeah. You know, so it's, it's just interesting to see those dynamics. So
1: yeah, for sure. And it, it's yeah, definitely it's one true. of those things where if you try it and it's not the right time or maybe you're not quite mature enough or, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the women's side, like there's a lot more opportunities on the playing for playing, mm-hmm. right. To go play college hockey. So why would like why not focus on the playing side to be able to you know get to that D one or maybe NCAA D three, sure, and then you know obviously when you age out there or graduate, um, then you try it absolutely so that that, that kind of make that kind of makes a little more you know makes sense on on the on the women's side
2: for sure and I think too um, you know uh, you know that ability to ha- I think with the way that is the game has evolved right the training I know I when mm-hmm. I was a kid. I'd have one practice a week, maybe a game. Mm-hmm. Ice was very limited, so all of our time was out in the streets, the mean streets, like I said, and you know, being creative yeah. and training. And I think right now there's so much like structure, and you know, school wise, you know, athletics wise, it's very different than what it used to be. So I too, oh, too, absolutely. I think sometimes time constraint is a is a concern for, you know, athletes absolutely. and seasons have gotten longer. You know, there's more load there, so. Um, you know, that's kind of a consideration as well, but I think too, just bringing awareness to the role. I think sometimes you don't think about what you don't think about. So I think just finding avenues and, you know, maybe not seeing somebody in a role, you know, I can recall most of the, all the officials in North Carolina when I was, they were men. I don't recall. There was one female official that I remember meeting in the Southeast back in the day. Um, but outside of that, you know, seeing people in the roles as well, um, you know, doing the job.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. So, but backing up real quick. So you, when you started kind of differently from a lot of other folks we talked, talked to or you know, had the kind of same ideas as your brother. Hey, this is just 10 bucks, you know, Mm -hmm. 20 bucks a game that I can get in high school or college to make some money. You kind of came in and you're like, no, no, I actually want to like start driving like this is cool and i want to be part of it and and see where this can kind of take me as well
2: oh yeah i'm crazy uh, i'm one of those people that's <laughs> i you know i say hey that looks like a lot of fun and it's, it looks really hard why not just yeah. you know put all your effort and energy into it and and if you're going to do something do something well and to do this job well it's 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 an art it's a craft and you're never you're never done learning you got to be a student of the game you're a student of the game as a you know, player, your student of the game as an official, as a coach. And, um, yeah. you know, I think to be very, very good at your craft, it it takes time, effort, and, you know, yeah, a lot of sacrifices too. So, you know, I'm very, very, very fortunate to have family, friends, um, people that, you know, I uh, spent a lot of time in the car. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the hotels yeah. and on the yeah. road for, you know, two and a half hours, right. You know, that you're on the mm-hmm. ice, actually doing what you love. And, um, you know, for me, it was just like, I got hooked as soon as I, my first couple games, I was out there. I was like, Oh, like, this is really fun. And I want to do this and I want to do it well. And so away we went. So, <laughs> very you cool. know,
0: very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. We always used to make the joke that like, we should all be truck drivers, you know, somehow <laughs> we'd make a lot more money with the yep. amount of time that we're traveling, you know, windshield yep. time. It's like yep. in all these cities, like
1: well, it was funny when when I was uh, working it. We always used to joke that we got paid to to drive to our games, and we were working the yeah. game for free. Like we got paid yeah. to drive there <laughs> yeah. to make sure that yeah. there were three officials on the ice. The yeah. uh, and then we worked the game for free because you know we got out there and made sure it happened. So that was kind of always the joke.
0: <laughs> cool. So what was that call like? So so you I you went up through the. The USA Hockey, like the summer camp system and all that kind of stuff, right? To, um, yeah. to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, traditionally, where I've lived, uh, the predominant hockey in the areas and cities I've been has been USA Hockey based. You know, okay. obviously, the footprint of the United States, depending on where you live, especially now. I mean, there's just so much different hockey: NCAA, uh, USA Hockey, obviously uh, AAU. Um, it just, it just depends on where you're at. So. Uh, for me, living in Dallas, Denver, Chicago, um, and now I've been in Minnesota for seven years, uh, my pipe, pipeline was, you know, started with USA Hockey and then on up that ladder. So, you know, back back when it was called, it's now called um, uh, the Futures Camp, which is now, uh, yep. you know, you know has evolved. Um, what's the new name for Futures? I just point right now.
1: So, well, Regional Camp is Futures. Yeah,
2: thank you. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm old. See, I'm right. So <laughs> yeah, I'm right. see. I'm having a yeah, senior yes. moment today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're really right. You right. I yeah, was did. good. So uh regional camp back in the day. So I went to regional camp and yep. then on up. Uh the women's side, actually, we didn't have a high performance camp. So that's something that's been brought back recently. So um, you know, you have your futures your high performance. Uh, back in the day it was called Select Camp. Um, mm-hmm. and then you have your elite experience um, you know, on the women's side. So I've gone up that ladder um, done everything. Uh, I was very fortunate to be a part of instructing the first high performance camp on the women's side. So that's, that's back in rotation now. So, um, you know, these camp structures are incredible. Uh, some of my favorite and best moments, uh, from officiating came out of these, you know, they're, they're a grind. Uh, but I can yeah. say my futures camp, um, some of my teammates there are the people that I went on and up through the ladder with, and we battled together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of us had common similar goals and, Um, a few of us have, you know, been able to achieve those goals and there's some of the, some from that group that are still working towards their goals, which is incredible to see. So, um, I think that's a testament to the depth that we have here in the United States on the, on the women's side. So, um, you know, and, and just the growth I've seen, it used to be, I knew, you know, who the top, you know, or who the officials were in the women's system. And now what's awesome is I'm seeing faces. I walk into a rink and I'm like, I haven't met you. (laughs) It's awesome.
0: That's cool. That's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, booming. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. It's so uh, so Ross and I we got to know like what was the call like when you found out you were going to go work the Olympics, right? And then we'll get to later on that. But what was that? Was that something you know? So you've been working kind of the world, some of the world, uh, you know, championship type stuff, and and um, which is also, I mean, it's got to be awesome. Looks like you've been to some really cool places. Uh, Was that, was that something that you kind of got a heads up? You're like, yeah, I could, I could possibly do this. Or was that just like, Hey, by the way, we want you to, to, to go to China.
2: uh, Uh, Yeah, no, it's its own cycle. So you're in a four year cycle, um, a quad as you call it. So, um, you know, essentially you are working tournaments and you're getting either the thumbs up, the thumbs down or the, the stay here. And um, your performance matters at every event that you go to. Um, And, You know, heading into a normal, typical Olympic cycle, you'd have a pre-trial camp in the summer. Well, with COVID, we had everything crammed into, I mean, basically we had two years where we didn't have an off season because we went from hockey started back up again. COVID protocols, protocols, uh, we got through, we're supposed to go to Halifax, that got cut. And then we um, ended up getting pivoted to Calgary. They reannounced announced Calgary. Um, and in between that time, um, you know, you went from that season, at least for me, I worked the Robertson Cup Championship here in Blaine, and that went all the way through June.
0: So mm-hmm. there were, you know, I went
2: from like just finishing my season in the North American League to hitting the ice in Calgary, and you're trying to prepare, you know, you know, typically you'd have a summer off for off-ice training and recovery. Well, You know, none of us, all of us, kind of hit that window where our season's seasons finish late, and then we had to prep for Calgary. We get to Calgary, you're in a bubble for a month. I mean, it was it was a very intense lockdown situation. And coming out of Calgary, they were trying to figure out what to do because your normal cycle would have your pre Olympic trial camp, where they had whittle. It's the long list, as they like to call it. Mm-hmm. So we okay. knew we were on the long list, uh, but then they felt like there was, they wanted to make sure that everybody got an opportunity to kind of have one more performance because there's women that couldn't come to Calgary. So we went okay. to, uh, went to hel- um, went to, uh, you know, a training camp in, um, Denmark and Copenhagen. So we did our kind of classroom sessions uh, testing on and off face testing. And then, uh, from there we each got split to qualifier tournaments. So it was the tournaments that the Olympic teams play. And I went to Sweden, Sweden won. So they advanced in the Olympics. Uh, but that, that was kind of like our final tryout, uh, on the women's side. So everybody got split to their event. You worked a game, uh, maybe two games. And then after that, it was just a waiting game. So you knew you were on the long list and then you were waiting to find out if you made the short list and you were going. And, uh, you know, my being mindful, we had to, if we got COVID, we couldn't go. We lost teammates along the way. It was awful from that standpoint. So just to be able to get to even the point where we could have hockey and the fact that we were going to have an Olympics um, was incredible uh, from that standpoint of what the world went through. And then Mm -hmm. knowing what we all went through on the back end to get to even having that chance to be be on the receiving end of that, of that phone call, I don't know. It was uh, I, I'm still processing it to this day. <laughs> I kind of got sure. yelled at because uh, I was asleep, and we were waiting. We were supposed to be getting calls, you know, whether we made it or not, and I hadn't picked up my phone, and I was dead asleep because you know I was. I forget what heck on. I maybe I had a late hockey game, and I was on the road till four in the morning or something. Coming home from Fargo, I don't know, but um, you know I. I got. I woke up to Jackie Spresser, uh on my partner's phone yelling at me to wake up and answer my phone, and then I missed my, a phone call. So apparently, the IHF had tried to call me. What's I then woke up and I looked, and I had missed two phone calls. So um, thank <laughs> goodness I have a good friend uh, to yeah. call. Yeah. So I called him back, and obviously, I you know I was on the stairs and I it was preparing myself mentally. Right, you always want to just pre- prepare yourself mentally that maybe you weren't picked you weren't good enough mm-hmm. yeah. we had a really strong team so uh you know i took the phone call and i had to walk out on the deck and and then i walked back inside and i and i looked at my partner and and i was just like well i get to go and then of course i just got yelled at because I, she's like you're just worth you know hiding this and ah like <laughs> you know and, <laughs> it's, you know, and rightfully so. It's been an emotional yeah. it was such an emotional journey for I think everybody yeah. that was a part of my, my family and team and that supported me and I'm a very just like a – you know what, if it, it, it's if unless it's like on the paper, it's in the writing, I'm sitting on the ice and I'm dropping a puck, like I just don't you know you know, I don't set myself up for the highs highs and the lows lows, right? I just like to be kinda even keeled and um you know, it was it was an incredible moment though. Um, you know, and something to be very very proud of because again, like our group was, we had such an incredible group, and what we went through um, to get there was uh, pretty uh, pretty unreal. I don't even know if I can ever describe it in true words. So um, right. that was a it's a moment I'll never forget. And obviously, it was oh, it was true. fun getting yelled at and told to wake up because uh, <laughs> I was missing yeah. phone calls. So.
0: That's well, a, a great story though. It's yeah, great, yeah. That's why you, you know. have friends. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's cool. And the journey to so get we'll, there and yeah. the,
1: the people along the way, like you mentioned, like the support that, that we get in this from our, our family and our friends, cause you know, there's a lot of, a lot of weekends away from home and it, and it definitely, uh, it definitely helps when you know, you have those people behind you and then the payoff that it's not just for you it's for everybody that helped you along yeah
2: the way. and I'm, I'm not like uh I'm not I'm terrible sometimes with my emotions and like my sentiment and you know for me I'm so focused and driven that sometimes I I, I forget to stop and enjoy the moment and um you know I think that's one thing for me coming out of everything it was just like I finally once I got back and was done even flying home on that plane my body was just like oh like it started shutting down. I'm like, Oh yeah, my hip's broken or my shoulder needs a replacement. Oh, great. Okay, cool. (laughs) But like, I was just, you know, reflecting on the people that had helped you get there and you know, the amount of stress that they were under too, because Mm -hmm. you know, I had to hide in basements. I had to go, I had friends that let me stay in their basements when I had to quarantine or stay away from my family. Because, you know, again, if I got, I got COVID or if I took it home at the time we were caring for, uh, my partner's uh, mom full-time who had significant health issues. So it was very, very, you know, these day-to-day yeah. things that everybody's dealing with. So, I mean, I just thinking about what people did for me, it's it's pretty incredible and in how, um, you know, patient they were with me too. Cause you know, it's just, you're, you're trying to manage all the things and, and, you know, get, get to, get to point, you know, from point A to point B and, and there's a lot. So I'm incredibly grateful to people that were there along the way to keep me kind of grounded. And, and, you know, obviously we had some key moments that were discouraging with cancellations at a best friend pass. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, those people were amazing.
0: What was, so what was that like? Right. So there's a lot of stuff and a lot of information on, Oh yeah. You know, Olympic athletes going and what the Olympics are like for an athlete and staying in the Olympic village. What What's it like for an official, right? So when you go out there, um, Obviously you're you know, you work you're fighting to work every your next game, right? But where do you stay? Where you know, how does that I mean, especially it's it's Beijing during COVID, so yeah, there's probably a lot of like restrictions and bubbles. But how did what did that look like from your perspective? Tell us about that. Well, you
2: know, I think the one question I get asked a lot is like, well, why can't you go again? Are you going to go again? Um, you know, mm-hmm. you didn't get your experience, and I'm like, you know what? I didn't get a normal Olympic experience, but I sure got a pretty incredible Olympic experience that no one else other than the 24 women and the coaches that were with us will ever have like yeah. in the history. Like, I'm sorry. It's, I mean, yeah. we made our own fun. We had competitive pin trading. Uh, you're not allowed to go <laughs> anywhere. So I'll tell you, we had competitive ch- pin trading in the back end with the volunteers, because they're all locked okay. in the bubble with you for a month and a half. They can't go anywhere. They live there. So okay. we all live in our hotels. You have to go through security to get in and out completely like full on security to get out of your hotel, double gates, security get into the rink that was the only facility the two two rinks are the only facilities we we're allowed in and we we're only allowed in certain levels um okay, so it's a okay. very very small scope of where you're allowed to go but you know what we made the best of it uh rick reagan who actually he was just driving his Zam in tampa the other night uh he was the off ice ice uh lead ice uh, technician over in beijing and uh, so Rick let me ride the, uh, little squeegees and Zambonis to clean up all the water around in the back. So, uh, nice. you know, we played a lot of spike ball, a lot of wall ball, like, again, like you, no, we couldn't go to the Olympic village. There was none of that. Like we weren't even allowed to yeah. go out. You know, we were trying to get people to go shopping, you know, potentially for us. Like the athletes, I think had a little bit of access to like a store in the village, but even they were on total lockdown. So. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was not, it was nothing but not norm, but that's okay. It's, it's,
1: was there, was there any interaction with the male officials at all that were there?
2: Uh, You know what? We overlapped. We're in the same hotel. So they came in about a week after we did. And so we, uh, they were flying in, coming from out of area. So we had to kind of stay first couple days, um, you know, stay separate as much as we could, but they're in the hotel. They're in the same spaces as us um you know we'd stay in our group across the lobby and then after a few days of testing and whatever it was just really nice to be able to hang out as a group together because you know they were going through the same experiences as us mm-hmm. um you know and then you know as far as we could go and watch the men's games and then we could watch the women's games so we kind of go and support each other but you know they same they kind of had the same restrictions as us so you're not okay. you're not going anywhere are not able to go see other sports and things like that right. so
1: So just Um, hotel and hockey, and that was it.
2: Hotel and hockey. But I will tell you what, that first getting on that ice and putting that puck down on that first game was the best feeling in the world, right? Because you can't – you know what? All right, at least we dropped one puck. Yeah. yeah. We made it. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of that that feeling of we made it. So, again, uh, you know what? I wouldn't trade my experience – for the world, because it was unique, and and the camaraderie, and the and the friendships, and the the challenges, and I would say the grit that we had to had to get through that was uh, you know second to none. And uh, you know when the world was going all crazy, uh, the fact that we were able to play hockey is pretty special.
0: That is really cool. That is so. Um, and then what was that? What was the process like? You know, as you're working games, uh, and you're working further and further in the tournament before um, you know, you, you get selected for the, for that gold medal game. What, what, you know, how does, how did that look like? What, what, you know, and then what was it like skating that game? Was that one that you, do you remember it a lot or was it something that you're like, man, this is so cool. You're just, you're just out there. You know? <laughs> I
2: mean, I can think back on it now. It's, um, you know, I think, yeah. I mean, it's, Again, I go back to there. We're there to do a job and you you've worked your entire you know career to for this moment in time. But at the same time, you're there. You're a professional. You want to do a good job. So um, I think it's all about staying focused and working as a team. So not only being your best every game, but also being the best team on the ice every game. And, um, you know, like any event you have, your 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 coaches are there. Um, you know, the lingo is changing, right? We're going a lot of a lot of groups or managers or coaches um, you know, you have your evaluations post game and you just bring your best and, uh, in in every, every game, you know, and off the ice and be a good teammate, be supportive, um, and stay sharp and, you know, go out, work your games and hope that, you know, at the end of the day, the coaches and, you know, the process behind the scenes, it's not an easy selection process. And again, we had a really strong team, but ultimately putting the, the folks on the ice that are going to best, they felt best would serve the game for what it needed. Right. And I can tell you right now, I, I would have confidence in any of the teammates I had there to go out and work that, that gold medal game. So to be selected to represent our group was really, really special um, and an honor. And, you know, to me, it's, it's obviously the, when you think about women's hockey right now and they still kind of have that, all right, you know, we're kind of breaking barriers with countries now um you know where it's us canada and i think it's important at the end of the day where just like athletes you want the best playing you want the best officials working so i think the ihf is doing an incredible job of moving moving and changing and evolving um you know as they move forward with with the women's game um and you know, it was, it was special to be on that game. I was with Anna, um, uh, Scola. So, uh, she's uh, vegan now, uh, on a vegan. So she's an incredible referee. Um, and she's obviously got a really cool role now in her day-to-day job over in Switzerland. And, um, she's an IHF coach and to be on that game with her was oh, a little cool. special because we, we actually were at our, uh, one of my first IHF series was in Blaine, Minnesota with her on the 18. She flew over and we hung out and I took her over to mall of America for a day and watched her run around. And I'm not a mall person, but I can tell you that was probably the most entertainment I've had ever in a mall. So, um, but, uh, but you know, to, to see her and, and work with somebody like Anna and her professionalism and like her excellence and in lens towards the game, it's, it's special. And, and then on hammer and, and then, uh, you know, it was just and Kelly Cook. So I mean, it's just it was it was a special moment from that aspect of the people that you're working with. And you know, as far as the game goes, it's it's a game. It's two teams on the ice, and they want to mm-hmm. win. And it's a big game. But you know, at the end of the day, you have to go out and serve the game with integrity and and do the best job that you can. Like I said, being a good teammate and in bringing your best and preparedness. So, um, you know, to me, it was. <laughs> you know, almost just another game. <laughs> and then you yeah, think back enough. afterwards you think back afterwards, wow, okay. That was, that was, it was an important moment, but yeah, um, you know, something special, but you know, for me, it was just the whole, the whole event in itself and, and our team and, and the people that I went with, I think the journey and the, and that the moments that we shared together. So
0: that's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, well, Ross, you want to start talking about, uh, <laughs> some some uh some linesman stuff that well you're, you're-
1: y- you know it, we have a couple of linesmen here and one of our or lion lines persons i should say i guess Linesman's you know.
2: fine you can call me whatever you want <laughs> I, I, I go by
0: whatever
1: <laughs> lineys hey you hey hey guys i'm not the referee go talk to him <laughs> yeah,
0: go, talk to, go talk to that one go talk,
1: talk to the guy the with bands. the orange on Let's um, yeah, see. Go we talk. we did an episode uh, a couple weeks back where we we talked, you know, the process of, uh, you know, the the referee stuff, right? You know, what is a penalty? What you know, the the gray box and all that. And you know, we figured with with Jan, we can talk some, you know, some linesman stuff. Sure. You know, we oftentimes, right? Like people don't realize what we do. Where we're out there putting out fires that the referees don't even know exist, and we're making sure their game doesn't go sideways, you know, doing all those little things. Um, so, uh, Alman Chris Alman always just calls it call it linesmening. Um,
2: oh yeah, no, he is definitely that is the definition. Chris Alman he's coined that term, and I use that term yeah. all the time. And people are like. Is that a word? I'm like, oh, yeah, it absolutely is. Yes. Chris yes. Yes. said so.
1: <laughs> yep. Yes. yep. Yes. So what, um, like, for you, key attributes of, of, uh, of a good linesman, uh, you know, like, what are some things that, that come to mind for you?
2: Uh, secondary awareness, like, in the ability to work the game as a referee. Like, right? Like, we're not the referee, but can we work the game in our mind as a referee so I kind of know what fire am I going to? Do I know – you know, personnel. So maybe I have an offsides. Well, cool. I'm going to go skate and point the offsides, but I'm also already going to 16 and 12 because they're going to beat each other up, you know, and, you know, just, you know, no, all right, cool. Boom. That was a big hit. Nope. That's clean. Uh, yep. My referee agrees or boom. No, that was a not so good hit. Um, you know, I should plan on taking 18 and everybody's probably going to go in his direction, trying to kill him. So, you know, that secondary awareness stuff, um, you know, on the ice, I think is critical for linesmen. Um, and just having a sense of what's going on game management wise with your referees so that you could support them, you know, because the game is so fast now, there might be a moment in time where your teammate gets blocked out. Um, you know, I, Ross, before we started this, you guys were talking about uh, the situation you you guys had um, mm-hmm. in a league that you oversee, you know, well, hopefully that linesman, if they got a good look at it, was able to step up and kind of give some input, you know, and say, Hey, you guys didn't see it Yeah, You know, you know, knowing when and when and where to go and support and provide yep. feedback. And if you're going to do it, be a hundred percent sure. I'm a hundred percent sure this is a five game. Um, you know, so that awareness and then honing your craft and having courage. So like, you know, you know, setting a good standard on face offs, being a consistent, uh, keeping your partner safe, being consistent, uh, just engagement in the game, uh, cover situations. So, gone are the days of "this is my blue line." Uh, oh, absolutely. Read and react, and support, and you're you're a part of the game. Um, I think athleticism, agility, um, you know, those are kind of the key aspects for linesmen. Um, that I see that that kind of separates people. Right, it's not just about icings, offsides. Yep cool I'm here to point the face off location it's what you're doing and especially during stoppages mm-hmm. your communication with players your ability to to have a quiet presence 99% of the times can can help make you know maybe a referee struggling or you know there's stuff going on in the game that you know players don't decide to act upon just because you have that that acuity and that presence to be where you need to be and just be there and by being there they look and they go okay I'm not going to
1: Yep, not going to uh, do that. Right,
2: I'm decide not to do that today.
1: <laughs> yep. So Well, and, and it's one of the like, you know, staying engaged, right? Um, oftentimes, and I know with some of my young guys that we're still balancing back and forth between ref and in line, and just because mm-hmm. they're going out as a linesman that night, I always, I always try to remind guys, it's not a night off. Mm-mm. Just because you know, it's not JFL like <laughs> yep. in a world where like we're obviously yeah. getting to the point where it's more and more for official system games, but our three man systems are still just as important because we do have, we do have, you know, the, the North American league, the NA three, the USPHL, the ECHL, the Southern pro league, um, and a couple others still skating three man. So, one of the things I always tell them to focus on is when the referee is going North up the ice, don't release from your blue line until we get those back guys out of the play mm-hmm. or up the mm-hmm. ice. Cause I, I, I often work with guys now that like they've come up in the system where the linesmen are just skating together the whole game. And it, mm-hmm. it pers- for me, it drives me nuts because we're not, the only time you should be coming up with me to my line is if I, if the play is coming up my side of the ice and it looks like I'm going to get pushed in for good partner support. Right. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, why aren't you staying back and helping the referee? Cause you know, something could happen behind the play. Some, you know, like maybe that, you know, they're hustling down the ice and you have the bigger picture view and now he sees something that's a minor. And now you have the bigger picture view while distance traveled on that hit. Now we might have something more, and absolutely, it, it's all things that too many guys often and girls often like pack it in because well I'm you know I'm not refing tonight so I'm just gonna go out and drop pucks.
2: Well, and I agree with you. I see that uh, that lack of all right. So three official system. That's my favorite system to work in personally. Absolutely, because because as a linesman especially, um, you can make or break your teammate with that secondary mm-hmm. awareness. So play leaves, uh, maybe it's your blue line, play leaves your blue line, goes to the neutral zone and on. Well, there's two players. Maybe somebody fell down, maybe somebody's back behind the play and you're able to catch that spear, that ha- that sneaky spear that happens or mm-hmm. that sneaky butt end that happens. Or maybe you got a good look at a hit. It was a little late and you're like, yeah, it's just a minor. You can tell your teammate when they fly by, Hey, you're good. Just a little minor. I got, I got them. And you know, you stay back with those players and execute you know, while trying to be self aware of what's going on with your partner as well, right? Like you said. So I think it's it's definitely one of those things. You're not a JFL. It's being engaged. And I think what makes a good linesman is just being engaged and not going out and, and saying, all right, cool, it's my off night. I get to just call offsides and, and, and icings and drop pucks. Well, if you screw up a faceoff location, you could significantly impact the game.
1: That mm-hmm. can be the difference
2: right. between a faceoff, um, you know, th- 2 1 hockey game and a face off in the attacking zone, or it goes in the neutral zone because you're not doing your job or you don't know the rule. Um, you know, so what we do critically impacts the teams and, and the game. So not knowing or doing our job well, wow, you know, it's not just about, you know, hey, a referee good penalty calls, it's it's everything. And I think lining is, you know, with the rule changes that they're putting in the place, the 3D blue line. Um, you know, it's becoming hard, you know, you gotta be where you need to be. I see a lot of people like,
1: I I I like that term, by the way, the 3d blue line, Oh yeah, 3d the
2: plane, you got some 3d going on. Um, you got your plane. Well, I mean, I, I see it even more. Like, I just think people that sense of urgency, we've also now got more more technology than ever, Mm -hmm. sense of urgency to put yourself in the best sightline possible to make the call. I feel like sometimes we err on the, oh, I'll just go look at it. Um, You really that, you know, honing your craft so that you're where you need to be to make the right call for the game. And it's so critical for linesmen as well. And learning what that means, um, you know, especially it's not just being, sometimes it isn't just stopped and set inside your blue line, right? That's a foundational movement. Sometimes it might be that I'm in the neutral zone making my call. Maybe I'm a little deeper, Uh, But I think to teamwork, Um, I, again, the days of it's my line or my half, um, you know, having good camaraderie and teamwork so that the right call can be made from a safe position and from the best vantage point. And sometimes that means giving up your line, to your teammate, letting them take over that call.
1: So absolutely. And then um, moving on from, from positioning stuff like face offs, right? Like they're so crucial. I mean, they always have been. But now when we're playing in leagues where, you know, we're picking the side of the ice after the icing and we're picking the side of the ice for a power play, um, you know, because now coaches are sending out a specific center to take that specific face off because the analytics says that he's most likely going to win that face off, mm-hmm. you know, on that side of the ice. What are some things that you do to take command of that face off circle And let everybody know, hey, this is my circle tonight. You're going to do what I say, and we're going to have fast and fair face-offs.
2: Yeah, I think it's just being consistent and starting from the first face-off, right? And setting expectations from the face-off and then uh, being consistent um, with yourself and as well as having that conversation with your teammate too, right? You guys want to be on the same page to try and we're all not going to be little robots, but we want to do it in a manner that is going to serve the game and it makes a fast, fair standard. Uh, but you know, it's knowing the personnel. So getting to know your personnel. So if you've got access to, you know, teams where you're talking like a little bit higher level, where you can go and look at video, I'll go scout teams. I'll go scout centers. Uh, mm-hmm. Say I haven't worked a team, I'll go back and look at their games, and I'll see what their centers tendencies are, to, are doing. Sometimes maybe do they, they like to, you know, on a defensive play, does the center like to drop his knee uh, and try and you know kind of block, um, you know? So doing your homework and research um knowing the centers making that eye contact so that when you do have a choice it can be quickly made and you're where you need to be and saying hey where would you like it yep. um you know and then when you're there the key is in my opinion getting getting there if you're dropping the puck getting where you need to be and being set well before they're there um and again this goes back to your teammate having your back so I'm stop set where I need to be. Hey guys, the guys behind me. Once I once I've addressed that. Hey guys outside and set. Well, there's a line there for a reason, and I trust my teammate. Yep. So I turn and I'm set square facing forward, uh, and communicating. Um, maybe my referee still got his arm in the air. He's still doing his his line change procedure. But I'm I'm facing forward. I address the players in front of me, and then I'm talking to the centers. And you know, if you're there before they are, and you're just calmly you know dictating what you want and setting the tone uh and being consistent and keeping it simple. Um uh, so hey, you know, white, I need I need you guys stop, set, stick the moon. Whatever that cadence and rhythm is, keep it consistent, keep it fair. So mm-hmm. you know when you and then start early on if somebody's not adjusting, you know, you ask them, hey red, uh fifty I you know, Ross, I need your foot back, right? Yep. Um foot back behind the L and they don't adjust, well, you know, if you ask them adjust address it early, eject him or warn him. Right, and then you know, slow it down. Like we've got the warning and system in some of these leagues. What I see is a lot of people will stand up, warn real quick, and just drop down, and then the second drop will be worse than the first. Yep. Take your time, reset, get a good quality face off. So, um, and hit the window. That's the other thing is hitting the window. So it's it's it. At the end of the day, it's developing a good rhythm, good cadence for yourself, being set and ready before the players, keeping it simple, simple, and then you know. Please and thank you. I cannot tell you, uh, you know, if you bark at people, generally when you're like, hey, please set your stick or, hey, please back out versus get out, you know, and and, yep. and being very direct and specific, that goes a long way. Um, generally, you can get people to, um, you know, and if you have a challenging person, taking the time to maybe pull them aside or maybe they don't want to talk to you, we'll use a teammate. Use maybe a line mate. Hey, look, I want him to take this face off. Here's what he's doing, and he's not adjusting can you talk to him for me i want him to be able to take this face off um i think you'll find that you'll get better quality face-offs in that the game they're faster um they're fair um and then you get the puck down and, and away we go but it's it's it takes experience and it takes yep. developing, you know your rhythm and cadence yep. and
1: and everyone develops their own style like i do my face-offs the same way whether i'm working a mensley game or a post game mm-hmm. um yeah. that's something that I can't preach enough to guys like do your face off the exact same way. So for me, I do my face off exactly the same way, whether it's men's league, pro hockey, whatever. I stand on the dot, take the dot away from the centers. I tell the wingers where I want them to go. I back off the dot. I look at the centers. I'm like, all right, I'm getting set first. Then you guys get set. So then I present the puck, white down, blue down. Let's go drop the puck. And it's worked so well for me because that's just, the presence that I've created and Mm -hmm. whether it's that works for me, it doesn't necessarily, you know, might not work for you, whatever, but every, every linesman out there listening, do your face offs exactly the same way so that every time you do it, it's just second nature and you're doing it over and over and over again. And I tell you the players love the consistency when they know, okay, if they're coming to my dot, I'm going to do my face off this way. If they're going to Kendall's dot, they know Kendall's going to do their her face-off that way, and now nobody's guessing on what's going on, and it just makes the game that much better.
2: Yes, I 1,000% agree. Do it consistently. It doesn't matter what league and level. The other thing I would say is there's we work halves for a reason. So if you and I are just willy-nilly about whose face-off it is today, that's going to create uh, an unfair advantage technically for one team because they're going to see you more than 50% of the time and me yep. less than 50% of the time. So that's one trend that I see right now is people just eh, pick the puck up. I'm just going to drop it over here. Yeah. I know. have ownership of your half. We have halves for a reason. Um, so, um, you know, maybe a rare instance once every few games where, you know, somebody that's not their half has to drop the puck, but, you know, really try and keep that integrity intact as far as mm-hmm. whose half is dropping one and where. So, because it doesn't matter and people don't think about that stuff. So
1: that's true. And then, um another thing to touch on presence between the whistles one thing that i know i was taught when i first started in the program especially like allman was my guy in the the met and the aj so you know we funnel down to the net right guy we're both there okay cool this is my zone i'm going to grab the puck i'm going to shag it i'm going to point to the side of the ice we're going to other linesmen We're skating the line change that presence in the line change while the referee's out there doing his thing, waving at the coaches like it's huge because if you skate the line change, not only do you know who's talking trash to each other and what's going on, you're there to put out those fires. Like I oftentimes like guy will be talking trash, about the other guy like, Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, pump his tires a little bit, but divert his attention and make sure he gets to the bench kind of thing. Like what what do you have for, for that stuff?
2: Oh, a thousand percent. And I would even say, um, you know, thinking back to playing, I would always look around to see where the referee was before I made some smart comment to my opponent. So, uh, you know, I think the more you can do to be where you need to be, just that quiet presence. Um, oftentimes a player will look over and halfway through their comment realize that either staring at you while they're trying to make the comment to the bench or to another player. I think line changes are key after goals. Like I don't even worry about the puck. Yep. Like if I say I'm supposed to be quote unquote, it's my turn to go pick up the puck mm-hmm. after a goal. You know the goalie's gonna shoot it down or fine, I'll just go get it later. Uh, I go with players. So if I'm non bench side, I automatically wheel where I need to be in a position between the goalie and the players. Or if I'm bench side, I put myself between the bench and the players and that's a conversation I have with my teammate. But I'll, I will always say, Hey, I might be with you as we go to the bench with the players, but don't worry. I'll wheel back and get the puck. Yep. Um, and I make sure they're over that half or depending on the half and who's crossing where, um, you know, end of periods too. bench awareness. Hey guys, hold your bench here at the end. Like just Mm -hmm. holding benches is another thing that I has been driving me nuts lately. Just that, that acuity for the linesman, you know, your bench side, you're right there. Hey guys, reminder, 10 seconds, hold the bench for me, please. Right. Yep. Um, you know, simple things like that, or teams are going to cross doors. Hey guys, end of the period, hold your bench, please. We'll let you know, when you can go white's going to go first, just little things like that that help you manage the game that are, you know, that you can do as a linesman, that's going to help make your referee's job a thousand times. Eaten. Everybody already doesn't like them. Yep. So whatever you can do to help, you know, mitigate the fires, uh, and you know, reduce the potential that your teammate who nobody already likes has to call a penalty, yep. then, uh, you know, you're doing your job.
1: Yep. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the referees out there is the police officer and, you know, we're the firefighters
2: and, you you bring up well, uh, Chris Allman called us rodeo clowns. So I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out I'm yeah, still trying to figure clones. out what I'm uh, what I am. So I've I've got many many. Alter you egos. you
1: bring up the you know the right. thing after goals and and that's something that I you know we tend to talk about down here. It's like okay, hey, if you're bench side, doesn't matter. Happy whatever. If you're bench side, you stay between the, you know the players that just scored in the bench. Back guy, let's you know swing around and stay behind and you know keep them away. And then, obviously, the period stuff, too, because we're up at the benches the whole game. One of us is standing in front of a bench almost mm-hmm. the entire game. So, like, those are times when you can communicate, hey, guys, end of the period, you guys know the drill, you know, you got a visiting team, you stay. However you work it out, you know, before the game with, with the teams and the rink yep. you're in. And those are all little things that if you're stepping up as a linesman doing it, that's one less thing now the referee's got to worry about.
2: Absolutely. Now I always they, think to myself, self, puck, sorry to interrupt you. Yep. I go, self, yep. puck, puck can't tell anybody to go pound sand or flip them off. Yep. So I'm always in my <laughs> mind going, all right, where's that going to happen? It's not over in the yep. net and it's not with that puck.
0: Yep, and <laughs> I, I think there's something that was important too that like helps presence. You, you were kind of alluded to earlier, like where you like to scout players, kind of figure out, okay, who's doing what? I think that's something that's really important to know. Like, hey, who do I have to protect? Who, who stirs the pot? Who's known to stir the pot? You know who are the goal scorers? Who are the folks that uh, that you may have to protect, and who are the people that you need to kind of look out for? I think that's something that it you know having that awareness that helps to build awareness, and then it's it's having a presence and it's having a presence in the right place.
2: Absolutely, um, you, know, you know, looking at box scores, knowing uh, who you know penalties obviously having an idea. of Pims, um, the other team that's really the other thing that's really important is history. You know, as you get along in a season, you go back and look all right, let's look at the matchups. Let's look at this team played this team a couple times. How'd those games go? Um, using your teammates, uh, other officials that you know in your network to say, hey, I saw you had this team uh, last time. How'd they do? How was the coach? How how was the captain to work with? How any Anything that I need to be aware of? Was there any issues in the building? So doing yourself a favor of that pregame prep where it's higher level thinking, higher level thought process, so that you can go in and be best prepared for any situation that happens. However, as we know in hockey, there's always option six and options that often happens, and it's that option you never plan for, but at least you've got the other ones covered. So yep,
0: right. What do you think about using folks' names, first names? I, you know, I mean, is that is that something that you you guys like to do? Is it something that you're like, yeah, trying to stay away from that? You know?
2: I tend to stay away from it. Um, you know, just again, so like, hey, you know, I think it's if it's one on one and in a setting where it's not in front of people. Uh, and it's, a it's, it's, just you just have to figure out when it is appropriate. If I'm talking to a coach on a bench, I'll say coach, uh, in front yeah. of a thousand people. Um, John, it just depends on the relationship, but I try to, I try to treat everybody the same, Makes um, in, in that sense. Um, cause you don't ever want to be perceived as favoritism.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but if it's like on a one-on-one setting, or maybe I'm having a conversation with a, a, a more veteran player that I've worked very well with you know maybe it's just a casual pregame conversation of catching up hey i saw you got you know i saw on social media that you've committed somewhere like congratulations mm-hmm. you know a little bit more personal there but once you know kind of the game goes it's it's situational i think um and i think you just have to kind of manage it and be mindful of the perception it can it can give uh using first names in the wrong in the wrong situation yeah that that definitely sure. makes sense i like it i like it
1: so transitioning from the linesman stuff Let's talk about the North American Hockey League and your role. Um, oh, sure. So you took the role, what, last? Not Obviously not this past summer, but the prior summer, correct? So this is, year, this is season two or season three?
2: Uh, this is my second season. Okay. Um, so they hired me right before I went to Beijing. It was under lock and key as far as anybody knowing. But, um, you know, I, I made that decision to – kind of transition because I really wanted to you know I wasn't again it was kind of like college what am I going to do with myself once I'm done with yeah you know, I hit my goal I, I I'm getting done and uh Keith Keith Cabal and uh, Mark Frankenfeld came to me and they explained what their vision was for a potential role and so I put down on paper where I felt um you know the direction of what needed to be done could go or one potential option and lo and behold they agreed and um now Keith's stuck with me. Um and all the officials are stuck with me in the North American Hockey League, so you can blame Keith. Okay. Uh but awesome.
0: you hear you uh, he, you I will say, hear that everybody um,
1: blame Keith. <laughs> blame Keith. <laughs> Keith. Keith
2: Cabal, uh director of officiating. That's that's who you guys can blame. But you know to me it's again, I view it as another challenge, right? It's a new it's a new it's something I haven't done. It's a new challenge. I've served as a director of hockey and a coach for a long time. Um, that was kind of my coming out of college too. I was doing that as well. Um, so I ran a few you know, youth youth programs, girls programs, and adult programs. Um, so there's a lot of skill sets on that side of the table that translate over into this role. But I'll tell you what, I have so much respect for anybody. It doesn't matter what organization you're in. Uh, anybody that is behind the scenes doing what we do on a day-to-day day basis administratively, whether you're in player safety, whether you're giving back and and helping with your local association. Um, It is it is a tremendous amount of work. Um, You know what we're everybody's doing day in and day out to um serve the needs of the game and officiating. And um it's been a really incredibly rewarding role. Even in my first year just watching some of the officials come in uh, maybe they were part of one of our camps that we did in the spring. Um, just seeing them even over the course of three days, get better. Mm-hmm. Um, the passion that they have, I've met a lot of really cool people. I mean, Hey, I'm on a, I'm on a podcast with you guys. <laughs> um, so I mean, you know, to me, but seriously, like to me, the, the great people in this game, we all want to do good things for officiating and for the game. And so you know, regardless of the the umbrella that we're under, you know, obviously I'm in the North American Hockey League. I'm very proud to be a part of that league. They're they're incredible with what they, um, you know, the ideas that Keith and I have on how to evolve, you know, the needs of, of our league and service our members better, you know, players, coaches, and officials. Uh, but, you know, just every group out there that's trying to do good things for officiating because um, it's been hard, especially with the pandemic. It's been very hard, and, and hockey continues to grow.
1: That um, and our
2: numbers are – hockey continues to grow and numbers are increasing. However, if hockey keeps going up and our numbers are increasing, we're still kind of at that, yep. you know, at that <laughs> yeah. percentage difference. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. So it's just been fun. Um, I've learned a lot of great things from different people that I've never met before. Um, things that I've been able to kind of implement into my role. And I think just by having these these types of conversations where we get together, we talk, talk shop, right. Yep. We learn so much yeah. from each other. So Um, it's year two. I'm, I serve, you know, I'm still around. They haven't gotten rid of me yet. And, um, been able to do a lot of fun things with the, uh, NAPHL officiating program, uh, came in, came on board and, uh, uh, turned the league into, uh, it's now got an entire officiating program built around it. Um, so, and that brings in people from all over the country to work hockey, get a little coaching, and then they go back and, and hopefully they're better in their community for it. And, for some of those officials, they they have the desire to work in our leagues at the junior level, so maybe some of them, you know, short term, long term, come in and and they end up working for us um, in the North American League and NA three level. Uh, but for those, maybe that's not their goal. There's like I said, there's there's a lot of other options. You know, everybody's got a different Stanley Cup. Yep. And I think it's so important to recognize that everybody's Stanley Cup is different. And I think we just need to make sure that whenever we're working with somebody on the officiating side for development, that we're doing our best to make them successful for their, for their goals and, and, and their, their dreams and desires.
1: For an official that might not necessarily know how to get involved, like, and come out, let's say, you know, they're, you know, we're working our local games, doing our midgets, this, that, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, they're kind of in that, you know, 18 to 30 age range where they're like, okay. What's next? And then now we got the NAPHL, which is, you know, leads us into the ODP program. How does an official go about um, getting involved to be able to come to an NAPHL event?
2: Yeah, so um, I have a we have a general show of interest form on our website. So and when you go in and fill out that form, you put your information in It allows you kind of put goals in. Um, uh, so if you're interested in the NAPHL, uh, that goes to me. So, um, you know, if anybody wants to know where that form goes, it goes to me. Uh, and then I kind of filter through and look at it. And depending on where your experience level is, your age, um, I have a show of interest application for the NAPHL. So everything is, um, you know, if I feel you, you would be a good fit to rotate in, um, I'll send you the show of interest application. We have events that rotate around the country. Uh, if you're not in our footprints, but I deem that you would be a really good fit and deserving of an opportunity, then uh, we bring in people from out of area. So everything is, is managed by myself logistically. So we'd activate you. Maybe you drive in or if you're coming from more than eight hours, you would fly in. Um, but it gives you a taste of what it, it, it means to be a part of what we do and how we operate. Um, we expect people to come in and be professional right? This might be somebody's first time in an airplane, first time away from home. Um, So we try to make it uh, supportive, but also educational in the sense of you're learning how to navigate and operate as a professional and and understand what our expectations are of officials, not only in the NAPHL, but also at the junior levels. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this is kind of what we expect from officials uh, who are navigating our our junior levels. They know how to take care of business. They know how to communicate, um, you know, the off ice component, I, you could be the best official in the world, but if you don't know how to manage your office um, and take care of your administrative things, then that could limit you. Oh, absolutely. So,
1: and, and I know so you've yeah. had, uh, you've had a couple of my kids from Florida come up. No. Oh
2: yeah. I had the Florida, the Florida crew. Uh, they crushed it. Uh, it was a pleasure having them. And uh, I know that, the, you know, they were just, uh, it was fun to have them come in and then hopefully we can look to find another opportunity to, for them to rejoin. And, Um, I know I I got some notes back from them and, you know, like I said, this role is interesting. I learned a lot. That was a fun weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a lot of crazy going on. Um, So it was a very big learning weekend for me too. I know we had some really cool learning situations that weekend we all grew from. So perfect.
1: (laughs) I, I, I love the, I love those. I I absolutely love those when (laughs) when things go sideways and none of the three guys on the ice know what to do. And, and now not only do they get to learn from it, the rest of the group that's there gets to learn from it, the officiating managers get to learn from it. Oh, exactly. And yeah. you yeah. know what? Uh, I, I t- between the three of us, I can only imagine how many hockey games we've messed up.
2: So Oh my gosh, it's uh yeah, get it. Get it. So,
1: and I always tell There's not yeah. enough sand. There's yeah. not
2: enough grains yeah. of sand. Right,
1: no, there are not. Right. So it's one of those things, right? Like that's how you succeed is by you know, taking your failures or when you get into a situation, I wouldn't even call it a failure because it's, it's really not. It's, it's more. Like, I just
2: call them tools. Yeah, there you go. Here's how yeah. I call them tools. I say, here's a new tool for your toolbox. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Cause you don't know what you don't know. Nope. And then you could read okay. on some, you could be Johnny rule book and know the rule book in and out, but until you go through it on the ice and you have the emotional factor of the game and all, you know, all hell's, I'm going to say it, all hell's breaking Lucas on the yep. ice. Until yeah. you, have you gone through it? you might not be able you could know the rule but it might just not come to you yep. or the process or the right. procedure. so i right. just call it tools for your toolbox
1: exactly and yeah. then yeah. um how, the that nor- how oh, go ahead that
0: i was going to say yeah so uh last time uh when keith was on here he was talking a lot about next shift how's next shift going for you guys this season
2: really good we've got 11 uh participants it's a, you know what i keep that a smaller group because again you want the one-on-one you want it to be yep. um something that the officials enjoy and they get to kind of work with us a little bit more closely. Uh, it's going really well. And, uh, we had let's see, 13 last year, 11 this year. And this year I have a few women, um, uh, that have, uh, some pro pro experience, playing experience and, or have been, you know, a little bit of officiating under their belt. And, um, you know, it's, it's everybody's around the country. Uh, the other really amazing aspect of it is our, um, our alumni network, our mentors. So I tag people to be mentors. So each official is paired up with a mentor around the country and the, the guys and women that I recruited to be a part of that again, this season, like they've just been phenomenal. Um, Cause I know many of them are working pro hockey, um, high level hockey, so they're not necessarily in their footprint anymore or home anymore. Mm-hmm. So it gives them a chance to be involved in something where they're helping another official, um, you know, and I like to throw them in the stuff. So if I do like a Zoom or something, we have our whistle talk every month. But you know, sometimes I'll just text them and be like, "Hey, you want to jump on the night and like chime in whenever you feel like it." Like they just, it's it's just a really good, you know. I know how much a you know, mentor mentoring helped me, and I feel like it's just been harder and harder lately to have that at at local levels because of how much hockey there well, is. Yeah, there's so much so hockey.
1: It, the the experienced yeah. people were on the ice too, so like it's so hard yeah. to be able to.
2: Yeah to do that yeah it's insane and like so to have something like that in our realm is is important and i know too that's something big that we push for the last two years within um you know our leagues at the junior levels is setting up uh kind of a mentor program as well uh, organically so more of the veteran officials will bring on somebody we and we allow the veterans to kind of structure it and create content around it. And this summer they did a really good job of evolving it. So now we have this formalized process on both the men and the women's side mm-hmm. uh, for mentoring where, you know, you have a new person who's getting, starting to get these like cracks into like summer camps and uh, maybe they're coming to Girls NIT, uh, you know, next week here in Minnesota. And it's their first event. What does that mean? How do I operate? How do I navigate? Um, So now they've got uh, somebody that's been around for a long time help guiding them. And I think we just need to figure out ways to creatively do more than that. Because back in the day, I feel like mentoring was like, oh, I got to get on the ice and skate with this person. Well, I think naturally now with the way technology works and how we're connected, I think we can find more ways to organically still do it. But it doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, hey, just sending clips to somebody. Hey, I have somebody I can send my clips to and they give me feedback on my positioning. Yeah. Like to me, that's mentoring.
1: Absolutely. That's really cool. And, and the really nice cool. thing, obviously, you know, we got Live Barn, we got Black Dog, we got Flow, we got Hockey Tee, like there's so much now. Everything's recorded. Hey, okay, we got
2: NATV now. NATV. So, uh, I'm excited and, about nice. that one. And all Woo! of that.
0: Nice.
1: Um, like there's just, you know, the opportunities for video coaching and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff are, are certainly there. And then moving from the PHL and next shift onto the North American league. What's yeah. um, like, I know when, when I went through, it was, it was always funny. It, it just, it felt like the, they were uh, throwing um, darts at the dart board to tell us where we're going. Like, Let's see. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw yeah. uh, uh, three darts at the map, and this is where the guys are going.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but How anywho, any how's
0: – Billings to Texarkana in one night. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but how's the pool of officials this year? Obviously, you guys, you know, we finished strong with the Robertson Cup last year. Um, a couple of guys graduated up to the USHL. Um, and then, like, so what's what's the pool looking like this year? And what's the overall, I guess – state of the program with when it comes to the null officials.
2: Okay, so yeah, I mean it's it's uh you're two of me, so now I've had my full cycle Keith Keith's been on board. This is a sixth season. Um I think with what we did with also pivoting our um combines, our player combines, we ran camps with those. So um you know just anything we do is development driven now. Anything. Uh if there's something going on with the players coaching side then we're we're doing something with the officiating. And so I think that's translating into, I think there was just this perception and, and you obviously went through the program a long time ago. Uh, you know, the ODP is now the AODP. Um, so this advanced officiating program, Scott's Zelkin's now the director of officiating. Um, there was this perception for a long time, I think, especially the last couple of years that you had to move away and live in a tiny apartment. And that was your only option to work in the leagues. Um and it was miserable and and that I have been a long time official in the USHL North American League NA3. I mean, sure, I've had my my fun car rides, but um, you know, I think it's as thoughtfully done as possible to set set you up for success. Sometimes that might mean a little little bit of a drive. Um but it's, it's not you have to commit your life and move away from everything and, and sacrifice all other goals. We want people who are goal-driven not only in hockey but also life. So, yes, we do have apartments. So a lot of times the apartments are used to – so we don't have a North American Hockey League team in, in the South yet. Uh, but So apart- apartments especially. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we just added three teams. So, uh, you know, the, you know, essentially those are used to the, that person who's driving. They have that goal of pro hockey, higher level hockey, IHF. Yeah. Um, it makes sense for them to relocate. They're a little younger. It makes sense for them to relocate into an apartment, into a footprint where they're going to have reps and experience. Um, a lot of our officials that are full time live in our footprint. Um, they don't have to move. They can balance family jobs. Um, you know, and essentially, it's it's up to you. Hey, what does full time mean? Well, generally, you're working three to four weekends for us. Um, you know, and then it's not living in a tiny apartment, uh, especially if you already live in our footprint. And you know, even then, with our housing, like you know, it's it's thoughtfully done. Keith and I work really hard to set the guys up in, in nice properties, and we try to really take the the feedback for the officials and the consideration. Uh, with how we approach everything and the league has been amazing with you know evolving things um, you know over time Um, even from when I started 10-12 years ago as a part-time linesman um, you know we want people we have you know to have other goals like I said outside of the game so we've got officials that are full-time students in school Yep. we have officials that are full-time students online school we have people who have full-time jobs um, so I think it's 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 it looks different for everybody. Um, there's no one size fits all. Um, and we've got people who are thirty. We've got a thirty one year old that just got. Um, he came in. He worked the PHL with me in October. Uh, he worked really really hard last year. Worked the North American Hockey League. Worked in USHL. He just got, you know, he's just getting a really unique and amazing opportunity at the pro hockey level full time. Perfect. Uh, you know, and somebody who came in cut their teeth. Um you know, believed in the process, trusted the process. And that's the type of stuff. Everybody's different. Everybody's past different, but it's, it's not a one size fits all solution for, for everybody. And so, and, and see, um, it's I nice the, hearing
1: that because mm-hmm. I think part of it is a lot of people still have the perception of they're going to have to do what like mine and Nat's group did where mm-hmm. you give up your life, you move to the Midwest or, you know you move, when i was in it was we saw that met and the aj in the northeast mm-hmm. so like it's nice hearing that it's not that anymore and it's kind of more molded around what works best for that official that you know if they're living in the footprint yeah. or you know maybe they do have the opportunity yeah. to go live in the apartment or whatever so that's that's actually pretty awesome to hear that you know it, it's definitely a little more um, flexible
2: Yeah, and I would say there's a tremendous benefit for being in our footprint, so it makes sense for somebody's true goal is like high level hockey, pro hockey, NCAA, you know, higher level hockey. It makes sense to be in our footprint, so sometimes that relocation makes total sense based on what is going on with their life. However, you know, maybe somebody's got a full time job, they live on the West Coast, and it doesn't make sense. Well, can we still thoughtfully implement them into what we're doing? You know, Mm -hmm. we've got teams in Alaska, we've got teams Colorado now, so. Um, maybe we, we do something more where we're complementing the other hockey they're working and the other opportunities they have with what we do. So again, it's, it's not a, you must do X, Y, Z to be in our program anymore. It's, it's now I can say there's benefits of doing certain things over other things. Um, and that's proven itself, but it's not necessarily an end all be all. And I've seen people come in, get a little bit of experience with us and then, you know, obviously take what they get from us and, and put it in and achieve their goals. Yep. Um, which is how it should be. We're we're humans. Yep. We're not we're not hockey robots, offici- officiating robots. Well,
0: wow. <laughs> um,
2: you know, we truly believe that we're humans and you know, everybody's got different di- different things going on and and that's awesome. And I think, you know, we've got to be understanding of that and you know, we can we can provide the different options and at the end of the day, the official, I think, you know, needs to make the best decision for themselves and how it, it's structured around their life cuz you know, if somebody uproots himself and moves and it's not ideal, I mean, you know, we don't want somebody being miserable in an apartment either it's or relocating and being miserable. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, so. it, it, it's, it's definitely different than, than what, you know, my experience and Nat and some of the other guys and sure. that we came up with. And it's yeah. funny because, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking back to a call and what one of the guys that I've known for a long time said, he goes, well, when we were coming up, we were just hockey degenerates. Like that's what we were. We were just degenerate hockey referees and not saying that, you know, there aren't, there aren't still those people out there, but it's, it's definitely a different time. And, and, and with the options that are out there, the amount of hockey that's out there, you know, obviously everyone wants to get better and we're all in this together Mm-hmm. On, on our end of things you know whether it be with you in your position keith uh you know zelkin maybe the Bindas in the northeast me down here not sure. doing his thing up in michigan like we're all in this together and at the end of the day providing opportunities and then obviously giving out this information that you know yeah. somebody listening that might not necessarily know the process well now they do with the north american hockey league
2: yeah and and I will say first and foremost, what we do isn't for everybody. Like it's, you know, we have a path. I believe in what we do. I believe in our structure. We're not perfect, but we're also not for everybody. Yep. And, you know, again, there's different opportunities that are out there. And, you know, I think you just kind of have to, as an official, I think this day and age, even more, you have to be your own agent. Uh, You have to kind of go and, figure out what's out there, do your research, understand what you're getting into, ask good thoughtful questions. And, you know, for Keith and myself, we just want to be transparent. Like, here's, here's what this means, Yep. <laughs> you know, and if this is not for you, that's okay. Just, you know, tell us, well, you know, I'd, we'd rather know, um, you know, but for those that jump into it and get into it, um, you know, for instance, the guys that live here in Minnesota, I get to get, hit the ice with them for skating every once a month, mm-hmm. sometimes twice a month where we get on the ice and to me, those are some of my favorite moments because I'm just like, ah, oh, just go out and skate. I don't have to worry about you know admin work yeah. or the computer, or Excel, or, and don't even have to worry about a game because
1: we're just getting on the ice. You know them. and Just
2: watching them, yeah. you know, and then we play a little shitty or we'll, we'll do something fun and and just watching them like you know get try and get better. Um, and I'll even bring out some of the uh, non full time guys here, mm-hmm. just any local official that's been kind of maybe doing stuff with uh, the PHL, uh, just so that they can interact with uh, the 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 full time officials yep. and. Um, feel part of it. you know, that's the stuff that, again, you got to find the group that makes sense for you and the path that makes sense for you. And, and, you know, that takes ownership of doing your research and, and making the choices that, and advocating for yourself. Absolutely. Um, you know, if you, if something's not right for you, you got to say something. So I do believe in what we do. Um, even if that means that somebody comes and hangs out with me for a little bit in the, for a cup of coffee in the PHL and then away they go and, and then, and it makes them better. For, uh, for their Stanley Cup, then I, job is done.
1: That's perfect. So. And, and that's and that's exactly the way it should be, right? Like we said all in this together and we just want everybody to be mm-hmm. better. And we want to share not only our passion for the, the great sport that we all love, but also that knowledge that we've all acquired because the shared yeah. knowledge that's you know that's starting to be an issue where we're losing it on the top end as guys are retiring or getting out of it? Well, a thousand
2: percent. I think there's a huge hole right now, um, especially kind of my, maybe a couple years older than me, mm-hmm. that group kind of with the pandemic, everybody had kids. Yep. I think we lost a core group of, of uh, that transitional, that transition of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think even more than ever, it's so important for us to work together, to pass knowledge on yep. um, because, and, and support because we're losing officials every day and it's because, you know, I think to some games that I had early on or even mid-career or even you know, where you just have hard games yeah. that rock your core and if you don't have somebody that you can call or those people that can help pick you pick you up by your, you know, you know, pick you up off the ice to say, "Hey, no, you did a good job," or "Hey, you know what? You didn't handle it well, but here's how you can do it differently moving yeah. forward." you know, have a short-term memory, file it away and move on. Like we're losing people yeah. because of that.
1: Yep. And, and that's not a, you know, that's one of those things that all of us wish we could snap our fingers and, and fix the problem, mm-hmm. but that's, no, that's just more. Cloning. Yeah. We, come on, cloning. Let's yeah.
2: go. Yeah. 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 Can yeah. I have a- Although I don't know if you need another one of me in the world. So, uh, <laughs>
0: But I mean, but, I think the world would be awesome with like a hundred of me.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Matt.
0: <laughs>
1: but, yeah. um, but uh, no you know, go. we, we all wish we could, we could definitely fix that problem that, you know, overnight. But I think that's just a collective thing as officials, as an entire group of the 26 or 27,000 of us within USA hockey, as long as we're spreading that positive message to everybody, we can, you know, hold people together and, Keep from- yeah
2: and spreading it and also portraying it I too I think it's some days it's harder than others mm-hmm. right to to put our money where our mouth is it can be incredibly challenging so but the more we can spread that message is especially that next generation and mirror the behavior that we want to see yep. I think uh you know the better absolutely
0: so. and it's really really cool when people that you mentor or people you've skated with have like gone on to do big mm-hmm. things right like that's just really really cool yep that's, really
1: that's awesome. the best part of it is getting to see the people that, you know, we're mentoring now, eventually they're, they're going to bypass what we ever did. Right. Like that's, that's, that's yeah. the goal or that's, or at least if it's not on the ice, we help turn them into a great human being off the ice. Like that's, you know, the other aspect of it. Cause you know, I, I think I've said in the past on this podcast with refereeing is, you know, help shape me as a person and, uh, it, and obviously it it does for everybody. Like you just learn how to handle a lot of situations in life. So, well, this has been an amazing talk. Um, Kendall, you are awesome. Do you have any maybe closing thoughts or words of advice for the officials that are listening?
2: Um, I think the biggest thing I would say is go and have courage. Um, I think that's a, that's a muscle. Uh, so go out and have the courage to make the right call for the game. And sometimes that means making the hard call. Uh, maybe you're at a pee wee game when there's 10 people in the stands, or maybe you're on the ice and there's 10,000 people in the stands. But I think just the more you have the courage to do what's right for the game, um, you know, being prepared, knowing the right call for the game and doing it, it's just going to be easier to make those calls in those moments as you go on in your career. And I think, you know, being that good teammate, um, on and off the ice and being, I think one thing for me too, I've always been working on is my empathy. Sometimes I forget to put myself in other people's shoes, you know, whether it be coaches, players, but even teammates, um, you know, we all battle through things. So I think just coming from a place of empathy, um, whether, you know, in the conversations we have and how we approach situations, um, can go a long way. So, um, you know, I just look forward to the future. I think there's a lot of positive with officiating right now. Um, there's obviously been a lot of negative, uh, you know, media on it with abuse. But, you know, at the end of the day, if we come together and, and work hard and and support one another, I think, you know, there's a lot of good people on the other, you know, the coaching side and the playing side that they want to see change as well. And they want to help be a part of solution. Um, So keep, keep moving forward and always give back, always pay it forward. Somebody helped you get where you're at. Um, You know, always, always make it a point to give back and, and help others. I love it.
1: And we've uh Absolutely. we've covered a lot today. We talked about your career, we talked about work in the Olympics, we talked about linesmening, we talked about the North American Hockey League and we got some great closing thoughts. Absolutely love it, Kendall. It's been awesome having you on. Nat, what do you have, sir?
0: Uh, not much left. You know, everyone hit up the Facebook group. We got some merch coming up, right? So Yeah,
1: that'll be coming. The
0: team stripes, towels and skate mats and all that kind of stuff that's going to be like That'd be fun. Absolutely. You'll see me walk into a ref, you'll see me walk into a referee's room just decked out in like team stripes gear.
2: Hey, I'm going to wear, send me, I'll, uh, I'll get some, okay. I'll put me down for some. I'll, uh, I'll rock it around the PHL. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be my, my outfit change of the day. I like
1: it. Nice. I like it. Well, awesome. Kendall, cool. again, thank you so much for joining us. I think maybe, uh, maybe later in the season we'll have you on to touch base about with the PHL stuff and the, uh, Sure. And maybe, you know, getting ramped up for North American League playoffs or, you know, we'll, we'll figure out the timing of, of having you back on. And uh, we're definitely looking forward to that and, and talking more. So I think with that, we will wrap up this episode of the Team Stripes podcast. Everybody, thanks for listening. Go out this weekend or next weekend or whenever you listen to this. Skate hard, have fun and enjoy your games. And we will catch you all on the next episode of the Team Stripes podcast.